It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. It's time to make the dough rise once again. Walter Storholt here alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving the Lake Country and beyond with an office in Greensboro, Georgia. You can find us online by going to livingworth.com. And it's great to be with you today. Brian, thank you for joining us on the show. As always, we've got a good one on tap today. Uh, my favorite subject, doing nothing and in, in defense of doing nothing. Is yeah, we're, be the... <laughs> we're not here to talk about your weekends, Walter. Oh, oh I'm sorry. Was... <laughs> <laughs> there's always value in doing nothing, rest and relaxation, I say. <laughs> no, there's a lot of truth to that. My my daughter was, she was sick, sore throat a little bit and spent a couple days home. And because they have everything virtual now, she was able to tune into her classes, not fall behind, but act, and then had time to rest and recover. And uh, yeah, there's something to that. Speaking of which, is this going to be the end of snow days? Like when when it snows in the future now, will they just say, okay, everybody go virtual? Will kids ever have another snow day? You know, that's a good point. Uh, I, I would certainly think they could utilize the technology that way. And, and yeah, just not have a lost day and have to make it up and all that nonsense. Just let everybody tune in from their device for a day or two. Yeah. It would be kind of sad, though, because nothing beats a snow day when you're the kid. That's the ultimate do-nothing day. That's very true. That is very true. Yes, absolutely. All sorts of good parallels building up here uh, on mm-hmm. this show. So, yeah, what are we talking about here, Brian, in defense of doing nothing? Well, what in the world does that have to do with the financial and uh, retirement planning worlds? Well, it has a lot, actually, because this has been, in, unless you've been doing nothing and not paying attention all year, this has been a very interesting year. And when I look back on it, you know, you, I've been doing this for 20 years, and I, I've Got into the business in April of 2000, right as the dot-com bubble was peaking. And I kid you not, I started at Merrill Lynch four days before the NASDAQ did its first four or 500 point intraday drop. It should have been my warning sign to run for the hills <laughs> early on. Somebody was trying to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was, it was truly like that April of, of 2000 and, uh, you know, started on, Monday and I think by Thursday that everybody I, I didn't even have a computer at my desk yet so I couldn't see what was going on I didn't have any CNBC I didn't have any quotes coming in everybody was running around I was peeking over everybody's desk trying to figure out what was going on and it's like hmm, I'm sure glad I don't have any clients and uh, money invested just yet but that was the only upside to it yeah you were it was a trial by fire it's kind of like uh, my my wife starting her new job at the hospital right at the beginning of the pandemic it was like mm. all right it normally takes people about a year to get up to full speed but we're going to need you to accelerate that a little bit here go <laughs> just hit the ground running that's right so yeah, so yeah it, it was it was that dot com uh crash and of course then the market spent three years going down and we had enron worldcom september 11 all of these you know terrible things happened and, and so I really very early on got risk aversion hardwired into my system. And I looked around at people whose clients were panicking and or were overly invested in technology to aggressively invest it. And I said to myself, I'm never going to let that happen. I think that was the best lesson that came, uh, I came away from at that time period. But what do you need to have in place so that you can ride through a litany of you know disasters and you know terrorist attacks and glitches in the financial system i mean it, w- it was all happening at one time you know, corporate malfeasance etc with enron 
uh, analyst scandals. You could literally just stack it all up. Yet somehow, if you had a diversified portfolio and did nothing, or specifically didn't panic, and had a, pos a, a defensive position for cash and dividends and, and your income, you would have ridden through that whole time period, you know, re relatively unscathed and then actually benefiting from the, you know, the, the subsequent recovery. Same thing happened with the uh, credit crisis. So the, the dot-com was three years of downward trajectory for the market with about three to four years to get back up to even. So you had about a five to six year time period where the market was truly down. Then at the credit crisis, we had 18 months from the peak to the bottom, and that was a dramatic drop. And then we had about you know, three, three, four years to recover out of that crisis. Well, in both of those situations, if you had put the proper things in place, you did not need to panic. You did not need to sell a bunch of stuff at the bottom. You didn't have to time the market correctly. You didn't have to guess who the winners were going to be. You just had to, to be disciplined and know that you had the right pieces in place. So this all really comes to the problem being that people don't do nothing. They feel like it's like a goalie in, in any sport. You know, the, the shot is coming in at you. That's what it feels like when the market is dropping. Mm -hmm. You can't just sit there. You've got to stick a glove out, kick out the leg. You've got to move in front of the puck or the ball to try and make the save and make an adjustment. And if you're that goalie that just freezes and sits there and does nothing, well, you're going to be laughed at. You're going to be pulled out of the game because you got to at least try to save the thing and make a change as this you know, event is happening to you. But that's not exactly the case here. You're saying that there actually is a good defense of not panicking, staying in place, and, and really doing nothing. But unfortunately, so many people actually do make that quick reaction and end up, what, getting themselves in more trouble trying to react as things are moving around them? Yeah, well, so interesting. Let's just recap where we have been this year. And we started out, you know, Everything was going great. Unemployment was low. The economy was booming. And then, you know, COVID came to town and we went from the, you know, highs of the market, bam, all the way down to, I think, 18,000 and change on, on the Dow. So we had this, this dramatic drop, uh, you know, about a third of the, the value of the market declined. Yet here we are at the end of the year. And, and just for disclosure, because <laughs> there's so much going on and so much uncertainty, we are recording this on uh, Tuesday, November 17th, and we still don't know who's officially won the election. We don't know uh, what's going to happen with the market and with oil prices and the news and, and everything else going on. But this drop in recovery was one of the fastest that I have experienced to, to go from, you know, everything going great to everything just absolutely terrible, this pandemic, the, the market was off, businesses were closing down, the unemployment was skyrocketing. It was this major contraction in the, in the economy. Yet here we are, the end of November, and we just hit all-time highs on the Dow yesterday. And you know, we're, we're maybe off a little bit today, but the, the point is, I have talked to so many people that have bragged about Oh, you know, when the COVID news hit, I, I sold, I went all the cash and you know, they're, they're bragging about this savvy market timing uh, move that they made. And I said, well, that's great. That's interesting. When did you get back in? Oh, oh no, I'm, I'm still in cash. I, I, I haven't, uh -oh. I'm, they, they, they don't have a discipline for when to get back in. And so instead of selling and selling out at the top and then of course buying back in when things were, were 
you know, in what March and, and April when we were bottoming out on, on the COVID news, they didn't use that as an opportunity to get back in because they didn't have that same, you know, lightning strikes once, but it, it you know, doesn't strike twice. And so they've ended up by trying to take aggressive action. They're no better off. They're, they're no worse off, but they're no better off than if they had just done nothing. Well, it's kind of like uh, we've heard that you've got to be right twice, right? Like you, Exactly. But usually it's you've got to buy low, sell high. In this case, it's, it's still the same principle. You've got to know to sell high and then put buy back in low if you're trying to time it that direction. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's great cocktail talk to, to brag if you've, if you've made such a move or if, you, if you've timed it right in the short run, it feels really good. But if you had just not panicked. I only had one person this year that, that, that truly panicked. It was a relatively new investor. There was maybe some, some miscommunications you know, between spouses, and, and, and there was just this panic because it was the first time they had been very invested in the market, and it was an extreme moment. But uh, really, the, the, the buying that was done and then the uh, subsequent recovery, it turned out to be a, a plus for the person who hung in and, and just wrote it out. So um, if you go back to the Gamma podcast episode of number 25, I believe it was, we, we talk about some of the things that you can do to protect, enhance returns, uh, protect downside, manage risk, manage tax exposures. And if you had implemented many of those uh, strategies, you had the ability to ride out the downturn. You knew you had some safe assets. You knew you had some cash reserves. You, you knew you had you know, a tax-efficient plan. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really just about implementing things for the short term so that you can ignore the market, ride it out, and know where your cash is coming from for the next you know, several years, actually. And, and then uh, you know, the, the stress and the panic of it kind of goes away. So it's not just a feeling or just kind of this like, okay, don't panic. And, and unfortunately, if you don't have that trait, you know, you're just out of luck. You're saying you can actually combat this with, with planning, with, with the right mentality. You can actually, you can grow, you can change this mentality. It's not just something you have to be born with, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and it's, it's probably something that needs to be reminded when things are going bad. And my barometer for uh, market tops and bottoms is how my people are reacting to the cash in the portfolio. When the market is up and everybody's getting rich and all the stocks are doing great, oh, everybody moans and complains. What, why, why are we sitting on all that cash? What, what are we going to do with that cash? What's your plan for that cash? And I said, oh, it's, it's there for a reason. Just you know, hang tight and wait. And then when the market sells off and they come in, they've got their white knuckled clenching their statements and, oh, what are we going to do with markets? You know, we've lost X number of, of course, they're measuring from the high of the market, their, their largest statement. Oh, we've lost X number of dollars. What are we going to do? And I said, well, remember that cash that you disliked so much when the market was, was, was doing great. I said, you're going to love it today. And I just walk them back through and say, here's cash. Here's dividends coming in. Here's your bond ladder that we've built. And I mapped them out about a five to 10 year trajectory that says, here's where your cash, cash flow and income is coming from for the next five to seven to even 10 years in some cases. Oh man, you can just hear them breathe a sigh of relief. Oh, I feel much better now. And we, we have to do this 
conversation, you know, every time a crisis rolls into town. But I'm, I'm happy to do it. And it's nice to be able to say, you know, what we're doing works. You don't have to make a timing decision correctly. You don't have to make two timing decisions correctly about when to to get out and when to get in. It's really a long-term game, and it, it, it just goes back to setting proper expectations. So we're talking about this different uh, way of approaching this. you got to control kind of that information diet that's coming in. Uh, the Just like with anything else in the financial realm, how you're educating yourself, the things that you're following. Uh, I guess a lot of people are just trying to, I guess, do two things, Brian. Sure, we want to be wise investors. We want to be sharp. We don't want to necessarily time the market. But at the same time, we want to be on the lookout for good opportunities. Uh, that's not the same as timing the market. So how do you kind of find that balance of looking for good opportunities in the market while at the same time not trying to necessarily time things? Yeah, well, I think you have to designate or make a differentiation between trading and investing. And investing is for the long term. And if you know the historical performance of the market, and I've got a chart I call the, the greatest chart ever, and it's one that's put out. JP Morgan has a version of it. And I've seen other people put out something like this that shows each year what the market averaged. And in the middle of that year, how far the market was down from its high for that year. Well, every single year, if you go back, there was a point at which the market was negative at some point during the year. But overwhelmingly, four or five times out of you know five or six, the market's going to be up at the end of the year. And so if you are aware of this phenomenon and you prepare yourself that this is money that I'm putting in place for years down the road, I don't need it to, you know, specifically be up this calendar year or this month. And and by knowing how the market has historically behaved, you can at least prepare yourself for that. Then on top of it, if you look at the information, news, and social media cycle, everything has gotten so polarized and political and people are getting into these information bubbles of our echo chambers online. And I, I've talked in the past about the documentary, The Social Dilemma, where people are getting fed things that they agree with because the algorithm was written to, to keep you engaged and, and online, not necessarily properly informed. So just controlling your diet, limiting, you know, how much news and how much you're going to let short-term news impact your outlook on things. Uh, I think it's more important than ever to take a little hiatus. That, that would be the do nothing. Turn off the, the, the news feed, turn off the social media and uh, read a good book or something. Yeah, that's a great point. Always try to be in control. We well, kind of mentioned what was going on earlier this year, Brian, and the reactions that people, you know, had to all of the bad news. I feel like we've had, uh, I don't know if I want to go as far as good news, but at least some news that has caused upward movement as of late. How are you kind of taking things in this exact moment as we near the end of 2020 and heading into 2021? What's sort of your current stock on, on things? And what are your clients and folks that you work with saying now as they look at the market? And are they doing the opposite of panicking? Are they super optimistic? What's sort of the current temperature of the room? Well, I, I don't think anybody really knows exactly where we're headed. Obviously, you can't predict the news and we don't know what's going to happen. But there are, there are two sides to every coin, right? I mean, every crisis is a, a pile of bad news and there's, there's certainly going to be bad things that happen. But the thing that I have learned and observed in every past crisis is a new opportunity also presents itself. 
So if you like think things the way they were, or you long for the old days, I have bad news for you. The, the, a lot of the changes that have happened are going to be permanent and lasting, some for the better and some for the worse. But if you focus on where the opportunities are in this crisis, uh, we had some very good success this year with stocks like Shopify, DocuSign, uh, Tesla's done great. So the people that were more growth-oriented investments, and, and these were, were more speculative and, and low-dividend-paying investments, so you don't want to bank on this. But those paid off beautifully and you know, gave us some great growth to uh, portfolios and, and assets. So even though this pandemic was a negative, there's, you know, there's no shortage of bad associated with it. But by the same time, it's caused a fundamental shift towards an adoption of, you know, remain at home. You've got Netflix. And these are great things that are going to be uh, long lasting trends. And, and um, I saw this back in the financial crisis. I worked, I was in a business coaching program and there were a number of people involved in or investing in real estate. And they were on the traditional, you know, buy, build, sell, get the transactions and the mortgage closings and all that stuff. Well, when that froze, they panicked and said, oh gosh, you know, how, how am I going to even pay the bills? Well, those that stopped and paused for just a minute and said, okay, where, where's the money going to be made? What's the problem that needs to be solved now? And a lot of people pivoted to handling foreclosures. They became experts in short sales and they were able to reach out to their client base and come to them with the solutions that they needed at that time. And so instead of just saying, oh, whoa, the wheel's broken, I, I can't make money the way I used to, those that can pivot and uh, find the opportunity in the crisis, there's always going to be a flip side to the good or the bad. And, and you be, need to be mindful of those two. But if you just put your head you know, into it and, and you know, read some trends and see what, what's going to come out of this, I mean, watch Peloton and uh, Amazon and, and all those online stocks have, have just done fantastic uh, through this. I don't mind the Peloton thing. What looks creepy to me is the mirror. The, uh, it, have you seen those commercials? The mirror, mirror on the wall with the, there's someone talking in the mirror. And then when you shut it off, it's just back to a normal mirror. But I don't know, that, that seems very bizarre to me, the mirror the Yeah, mirror especially with all these cameras and, and things. I feel like all that stuff's listening to me anyway. So Yeah, now, yeah. now they're having you stare right into it as they film you and look at you. <laughs> what was it Sleeping Beauty? The, was, was that the yeah, mirror, movie they mirror, remade mirror with Julia? The Who's the fairest one of all? Something like that. Yeah, I think they did a remake with uh, Julia Roberts in it, and that was, was good. Oh my goodness, too funny. Uh, but that's just a good illustration of the changing world that we certainly see out there and, and things moving and shaking. And, you know, as crazy as 2020 was, I don't think we can accurately predict whether 2021 is going to be less crazy, more crazy. Uh, hard to top this year, certainly. So maybe we can predict it'll be more stable, more stability in store for us. But, you know, as soon as we start predicting that, it's going to go the other direction. Well, this is true. Yeah, that's a, I think what weathermen and economists should be hobbies, not paid professions. Uh, so market forecasters as well. But the, the upside, uh, Walter, is that, I mean, we're, we're sitting here with, uh, again, like I said, the, the election results appearing to be uh, favoring uh, Joe Biden. And I was reading an article the other day about uh, this being a Goldilocks outcome. Goldilocks and, outcome. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, not too hot, not too cold, just right. And if, if 
Biden is in the White House and you've got Democrat control of the White House. Well, maybe that gets some of this polarization of Trump and, and, and his rhetoric out of the picture. Joe Biden's very establishment kind of guy. Maybe he has some relationships in the Senate. And we may actually see a very bipartisan kind of support because there was not a huge blue wave. There was not a huge red wave. Then the downside to that is we're as equally divided as ever, but a deadlock like that in on Capitol Hill is actually a, tends to be a good thing for the market. We tend to get more collaboration, compromise. The only things that get passed are things that both sides can agree on. And so no particular extreme legislation is going to get you know just railroaded through. And then... Uh, you know what, just in the past week, we've had two vaccines, one that was 90 and one that was 94, 95% effective. Uh, hopefully the topic of the vaccine hasn't been so politicized that people won't adopt it or try it for political reasons. I know there's been a lot of rhetoric around that. And then the market has responded by you know moving again to all-time highs. So if you had panicked this year, if you'd lost faith, if you didn't have a plan in place, if you didn't have have some discipline to get you through, uh, this could have been a very bad year for those that did nothing. I don't want to say we did nothing. Obviously, we we ducked and dodged and you know realized some gains when when things were going really well. We we're not truly doing nothing, but by just sitting tight for the most part, letting the the plan work its way through, letting the market do what it does. Uh, we, we've ridden through just a crazy, crazy year and ended up in a very good spot at the end of the year. Well, it's, uh, good to at least have some positivity to take out of this year. That is for sure. Cause I think it's something a lot of people thought we may not get the opportunity to take out of 2020, but it looks like we will be able to indeed do that. So final thoughts, I guess, Brian, on, uh, as we look forward to the end of the year and kind of taking into this account, this mentality of in defense of nothing, sometimes it's okay to, to sit on the couch and watch and wait and uh, not, not have to panic and react quickly to some of these things. Let, make decisions slowly, maybe sort of being the uh, the takeaway. Yeah, well, I mean, the markets are always forward-looking. So the what the market is telling us is the positive thing about this particular year and the crises of this year was it was external to the financial markets. This was not a broken financial system or flaw like the financial the financial crisis and the dot-com bubble were both problems within the financial system so walking away from this if, if we've got a vaccine and the market is intact and healthy and valuations are reasonable uh, maybe they've gotten a little bit ahead of themselves but the market does look forward and we could be looking at a very nice recovery there's going to be some potential pent-up demand as people have done less through the crisis, but they're going to have, uh, they're fixing up homes, they're buying durable goods, they're, they're are, there's still economic activity uh, taking place, and the market is, is beginning to price that in, and we should turn the corner here and, and, and move ahead. One thing that we have talked about in the past, and we just got the hard copies in the other day, we've come up with a new paper called the 401k trap, and we're really looking ahead now, because the government has taken on another $3 trillion worth of debt because of the coronavirus. We're $7 trillion more in debt than when Trump came into office. So that whole problem that we've been talking about for so long persists, and you don't hear anyone talking about doing anything about it. 
it, remember when deficits and, and budgets were a big uh, campaign topic, you don't even hear about it anymore. So that, that gives me some concern for future tax rates. Putting too much money into 401ks can actually increase your taxes into retirement. And so we've got a paper talking about the changing landscape of retirement and you know whether or not it makes sense to put assets into other tax categories than 401ks. So that's that's the uh, 401k trap, and you get a copy of that. And if another stimulus comes down the pike, uh, that number would probably just increase even more. That that number. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That, that, that's where it's going to come from. There, there's not, no not knowing how big that next there. one's going to be, but significant yeah, enough to here, bump it up. Trillion again. there, Walter. You know, it's just it's just money. What, once you pass twenty, as we have now found out, it just uh, doesn't seem to have the same sort of impact. So. It's, it's uh, scary. Yeah. Much easier to get out of control, that's for sure. Uh, well, again, that is the uh, 401k trap. Great uh, resource that Brian and the team have put together. It's available for you very easily by visiting retirementrescue.net. Again, that's retirementrescue.net. We'll put a link to it, of course, in the description or the show notes section of today's program where you can go and find that. And it's also where you can schedule a virtual meeting with Brian and the team if you have any questions that you want to talk through specifically about your situation. That's all at retirementrescue.net. Well, Brian, we appreciate the help, and uh, we're recording this, I believe, the last time that we'll be talking before Thanksgiving. So I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and to all of our listeners as well. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Despite a crazy year, there's still a lot to be thankful for, I think, for each one of us. And I'm thankful for uh, the partnership and relationship with you and your guidance that you provide each time here on the show, Brian. So I hope you have a great time with your family and stay safe, healthy, and eat lots of good food. Yeah, happy to do it, and uh, we're giving everyone permission to go do nothing. <laughs> go do nothing. You got it. That's a pretty good mantra for Thanksgiving, isn't it? <laughs> sit Indeed. Back, sit back, relax, watch a little football, unbutton the uh, top button on your pants, and uh, <laughs> just relax after just eating a bunch it. of stuffing yep. or something. Uh, a quick question before we go. Do you do pizza for Thanksgiving, given that you are the pizza man? So, well, no, we're still very traditional on the okay. uh, right. Thanksgiving. I got to have the ham, the turkey, the dressing. <laughs> the we, all of our mothers have their dishes that are, that are the signature dishes, so we've got to make all of those. And but being in a new house, we are having we're, we're trying to have everybody to our place for a Thanksgiving brunch. So it'll be interesting to see how many turn up and whether our new place can handle the, the capacity. But uh, there you go. You have to no do pizza. like a little uh, pizza appetizer or something like that, just to. Keep the theme going. Yeah, something like that. Or maybe day after. Day after. Day after. Yeah, that's Thanksgiving. Good. Yeah, I mean, it's the whole weekend, really. So you've got plenty right. of opportunity there. I was just curious if in the Doe household there was a, a pizza presence on uh, Thanksgiving. No, but I can assure you there will not be any turkey pizza. No turkey pizza. Yeah, that sounds like a party <laughs> foul to me, for sure. Indeed. Very good. Well, thank you, Brian. We appreciate it. And uh, thank you for listening to today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll talk to you again next time right back here on Make the Dough Rise. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. 
Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.